Dean to come and read Genesis 16, what we're going to look at this morning. So, Dean. All right, Genesis chapter 16. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family, family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now she knows she's pregnant. She despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord said to her, Now, you are now pregnant, and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man, and his hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility. Uh, my phone is messing up. Toward his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. Genesis. That's why the, the well was called Beer Lahai Roy. It is still there between Kaddish and Barad. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave him the name Ishmael to the son who had, she had born. Abram was slightly six years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. 86 years old. Yeah, that's a big difference. <laughs> oh, now I get the rest on my own. <laughs> Thank you, Dean. All right. I had to take a double take there, too. So uh, <clears throat> this is the passage that uh, JJ asked me to take. And this is a, a crazy story, isn't it? Full of dysfunction, full of all kinds of things. And so uh, I think I need to pray and ask God to take us to where he'd have us to go. So let's do that. Father, I thank you so much that uh, you are God, and we've been getting to even know you better and better as we've been going through Genesis, and I thank you for letting yourself be made known. And uh, thank you that you are very active in that process through the power of your spirit in us. So we set aside that which distracts us, those things that would take our mind elsewhere, 
And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to take not only our minds, but our hearts toward you that we might believe. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Have a few questions for you this morning. Uh, here's the first one. How many of you believe that tomorrow will be sunny and warm? Anybody? Uh, wow, we do have a couple very optimistic. Here's another one for you. How many of you believe that the Republicans and the Democrats in Congress will be um, peaceful and productive in this election year? Anyone? Oh, that same per optimistic person. They're very good. And here's the last one I have for you. How many of you believe that the Seattle Seahawks will be in the Super Bowl next year? The same. Oh, a few hopefuls. Okay. Now, believing in something is more than wishing for something to be true. Uh, belief or faith hinges on the one or the power behind what you believe in. The, the talent and the turmoil and the questions around the surrounding the Seahawks right now uh, makes a Super Bowl victory next year perhaps wishful thinking. And the history and motives of the Republicans and Democrats kind of point towards a rocky year this next year. And we are in the midst of January and the history of the Northwest weather is that we'll have a lot more wet and cold than experiencing sun and warmth. So that's where we are. We are studying the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. Uh, we've entitled this whole series, In the Beginning. Uh, the book of Genesis is the first book of five books called the Torah that the Jewish people hold in high esteem. And there's good reason for that. Because it was when God, it, Moses wrote it to start helping the people and helping, in fact, us to get to know God, the reason we believe, to get to know who God is and God, what God will do and what God is promising to do in the future. So my prayer for us this morning is a big one, and that's this, that our belief in God would increase. Amen? So let's get into this. Um, Reason to believe, that's what we're calling this morning, reason to believe the sermon. In the book of Genesis, God is revealing himself as the God that can be believed. And the validity of this belief is found in no one beside himself, the person of God. Now, in the Hebrew language, which the Old Testament was written, which is most of the Bible, uh, so the Hebrew language uh, is written, and it's a very descriptive language, and helps us to see these, there's this beautiful insight into who God is, and we see it in the book of Genesis. In fact, we see it right in this story that we're looking at today. Now, uh, in Genesis 1, uh, the word for God used there in Hebrew is Elohim, and Elohim means the one who is worthy of worship. Elohim, 
the one who is worthy of worship. And that's the word for God that was used in Genesis 1. In Genesis 2, another word for God is written, and in your Bibles, it's all capital letters, capital L, capital O, capital R, and capital D. And that is signifying a Hebrew word that was made up of four consonants. And the English equivalent are the consonants Y-H-W-H, Y-H-W-H. And we've done our best to put that in something that we can pronounce. And so we say it, it's Yahweh, Yahweh. Now, this is the most holy word in the Hebrew language because it is the personal name of God, Yahweh. When uh, the scripture was read by the priests uh, in the synagogues, they never vocalize this word. In fact, the, instead they use the word Adonai, which means Lord, one that we uh, our, uh, our allegiance is to. Now in the book of Exodus, uh, do you remember the story when Moses was at the burning bush and he asked God, uh, God asked him to go and take the people of Israel out of Egypt and Moses said, who should I say is sending me? And uh, God said, here's my name, Yahweh, which means I am who I am and I will be who I will be. In other words, he is self-sustaining. He is self-existent. He is above all. In fact, God lives on a different plane than that which is confined by time and space. Yet, here's the amazing thing. In the book of Genesis and through human history to this very day, and it'll continue on tomorrow, God, the one who is Yahweh, above all, is choosing to make himself known. Isn't that amazing? Almighty God is choosing to make himself known. And we've been singing about some of that this morning and worshiping God about that. We can believe and we can place our faith in God because his, of his love and his grace and his making himself known. So we've been looking at the life of Abraham and I promise I'll get to the story in just a moment. We've been looking at the, the life of Abraham and we find a man, we find a man that's trying to find his way. He is, in fact, last week, uh, J.J. In, in, in the 15th chapter said that Abraham believed and it is counter to him as righteousness, but his belief was not perfect. Anyone here have a perfect belief? Okay, then we have a little bit uh, of Abraham in us. Through the struggle of life and faith, Abraham, though, is finding reasons to believe. And in chapter 15, things were going up. And in chapter 16, we see things kind of going down, a struggle. Uh, God made a promise to Abraham. 
And his promise was this, Abraham, I'm choosing you to do something really special. Through you, uh, they'll become a great nation, a great nation that will have land, and a great nation that will be used by God to bring a blessing. And you're going to have descendants, and those descendants are going to be as numerous as the sand on the seashore. And J.J. talked about Abram's response uh, last week. By the way, when I say Abraham, I'm saying Abram is just, uh, it's the same guy. His name gets changed to Abraham a little bit later on. So uh, Genesis 15, 6, Abraham says Abraham believed and is credited to him as righteousness. And now about 20 years passes between chapters 15 and 16. About 20 years pass and um, Abram is still without a child. He's still waiting for the promise. And he's become an old man. He's probably in his mid-80s at this point. I think the passage said that 86 is how old he was when Ishmael was born. So here he's become an old man. His wife, he's about uh, mid-80s, and his wife is probably late 70s, early 80s, so she's well along in years also. And uh, a woman that old uh, does not bear children. So they were running out of hope. Abraham's faith was growing weak. Sarai uh, and Abraham then took their hands, uh, took matters into their own hands. Their, their struggle in faith and believing God is understandable. In fact, it was a very human thing to do. You see, uh, they saw and they recognized and acted upon their inability more than they trusted in God's ability. Let me say that once again. Their struggle in God was, was really understandable because they re- recognized and knew and acted upon their own inability, being as old as they were, than they were in trusting in God's ability. And do you know what God can do? God can do whatever he chooses to do that is not in conflict with who he is being God, the holy God, without sin. So when the things of life aren't progressing as you think they should, or especially if you feel as God has promised and you're not seeing his promise, don't take matters into your own hand. Because you know what happens when we take matters into our own hands? We do stupid stuff. And in Genesis chapter 16, we find that Sarai and Abram chose to make a stupid decision. They took the matters into their own hands. So Sarah had a young servant girl, an Egyptian servant girl. Um, And she thought, 
here's the way we can do it. Here's a way around God's promise that we'll get to the same place. And so she instigated and Abram said yes. And uh, Hagar was taken to Abraham, Abram. And you read the story, things took place and she became pregnant. It wasn't long after strife and jealousy entered into the family. Conflict between Abram and Sarai. Conflict between Sarai and Hagar. Stupid stuff makes bad things happen. And bad things happened in the family of Abram and Sarai. Because they chose to take matters into their own hands. So it got so bad that Hagar decided she needed to flee the situation. And let me read that again uh, from Genesis 16, verses 7 through 16. The words will be up on the screen. The angel of the Lord found Hagar, and this is when Hagar had left, found Hagar uh, near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where would you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her to go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. And the angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. And he will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. And she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her, you are the God who sees me. Let's think about that. This is what she says back to God. You are the God who sees me, for she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Beer Lai Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Berit. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave, gave the name Ishmael to the son she bore. And one more verse, and Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. So Hagar was in the midst of a very difficult situation. She was pregnant with a child by her master. She had been abused by her master's wife. And she was fleeing, and she was confused. And then the most amazing thing happens. An angel shows up. Though I, I think that was the last thing she was expecting that day. An angel showed up. Now, the angel, during this whole mess, didn't show up to Abraham and Sarai and say, you've done bad. 
but the angel showed up to Hagar. The angel didn't show up to a king. The angel showed up to a slave. The angel uh, showed up to a slave that was in the midst of a huge crisis in her life and she was out in the desert expecting to die because there were no safety nets. The angel uh, didn't show up to one to whom everything in life was fair, but to one experiencing the harshness and the unfairness of life. And the angel showed up not to a man, but to a woman. And to a woman who was in fact a Gentile slave woman. She was way down on the list. And the angel showed up and appeared before Hagar, who was really grasping for something. Something, just something. Now the angel, this is a little bit of Ted thinking here. The angel that showed up, I believe, that it was more than an angel. I believe it was God. Because, and, and in the Old Testament, when uh, sometimes God will show up in a form of a body, it's called a theophany, theophany. Uh, the reason I believe this is because the angel accepted worship. And, and the angel accepted without correcting Hagar, the name that she gave him. And uh, the angel didn't tell her what she wanted to hear. Remember what the angel told her? He told her, go back and do something really hard. Go back and live in that bad situation. That's hard news to hear, but that's the news that she heard from the angel. And she amazingly believed God because she now had reason to believe God. And that reason is found in the name that she gives God in verse 13. And the name that she gives God in Hebrew is El Roy. El Roy, it's up on the screen. And it means this. It means the mighty one who sees me. And the, the mighty one who allowed himself to be seen. El Elroy. That is amazing. Because if you think about the station of life she was in, and the situation she was in, and that God would show up, and she says, now I have reason to believe, and, and in my belief I'll go back and live in a very difficult situation because the reason I have to believe is because you are El, meaning mighty, Roy, meaning the one who sees me and allows himself to be seen. Do you know what? That's the same God that we honor today. 
Are you in need of El Roihi today? The God that sees you and the God that allows you to be seen and, and seeing him? Oh, that is amazing to think that there is a God who sees all that makes up my life and your life. And he desires to enter in to our lives, no matter the mess that our life might be in the moment. We see that in Genesis 16 here. And he desires to show himself to us because he is the God who sees and who cares and who acts and who shows himself and allows himself to be known. And that is reason to believe. So at this point, I don't know about you, but I just need to think a moment and worship a moment. So I'm gonna invite you just to close your eyes and just let the truth of the name El Roihi seek in. That that is the God, that is the God that knows us, that sees us, Welcome him, worship him, open your life to him because he knows everything about you. He knows the hidden corners and he knows those things we want everybody else to know. And he still is there inviting you and inviting me to know him and to be known by him. Ishmael, uh, Ishmael is the father of the Arab nations. The later son that Abraham has, name is Isaac, the father of Israel. And I don't have to tell you a little bit more about through the years there's been conflict and there continues to be conflict to this day but Abraham was the father of both. So let's get back to Abram. Uh, a few years go by. He's now um, into his 90s. Uh, probably into his late 90s. So the, the promise of a baby between he and Sarai is fully out of the realm of possibility, but nothing's too hard for God. Amen. And when want, God wants to do something, he'll do it. And it's precisely at this point that God shows up again to Abram. And it's the first two verses of chapter 17. Uh, let, me, let me read those. When Abram was 99 years old, 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. 
walk before me faithfully and be blameless, then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. There's another name uh, that I want to just highlight. You see where it says God Almighty? In Hebrew, that word is El Shaddai. El Shaddai. El meaning Almighty. Almighty. Shaddai, there's possibly a, a couple meanings of the word Shaddai. I'm going to give you both. So one is that Shaddai means Almighty. So the word El Shaddai is kind of re repeating the mighty, mighty one. You know, it's, it's an explanation point. God is mighty, mighty. And uh, it's thought when those two words are together, it verbalizes that God is not only the one that has power to create, but God also has power to set aside of the laws of nature. He's not bound by the laws of nature. And in Abraham's and Sarai's case, that's a good thing. God was able to make an old man and an old woman to be able, who are past childbearing years, to be able to have a son, Isaac. God invoked his name El Shaddai to Abraham to remind him, I am mighty. In fact, I am mighty, mighty. I'm not bound by anything. I am mighty, mighty. Another thought on what Shaddai means uh, is that, well, before I get there, let's just think about mighty, mighty a little bit. God is mighty, mighty. Uh, is there something in your life experience right now that needs a mighty, mighty God? And it could look different for each of us. God invites us to lean into him because he is mighty, mighty. Now, that's not a free ticket to make everything just like we want it to be. Because we saw earlier that uh, God wants us to trust him, not to take a way around. Uh, trust in a mighty, mighty God. Now let me get to that next thought of what should I might mean. Uh, some believe that the word should I could be better thought of as uh, should I meaning uh, the place, the breast of a nursing mother, uh, the place where nourishment can be found, where uh, satisfaction with is found, where security is found. So El Shaddai takes on a little bit different meaning, if that is true. It's the meaning of the mighty one who can nourish and to satisfy and supply. I like that too. Because I know that's true of God. Because I see that being true of God in his word and throughout history and in my history that that's the kind of God I have. I have a, a mighty God that can nourish and supply and provide. 
Um, there's a bunch of names in the Old Testament that give us pictures of who God is. And I encourage you to look at some more of those, uh, perhaps this next week. So the word El means mighty, E-L, mighty. And Shaddai, a one who is mighty enough to bless his children with love and acceptance and provision. The mighty God who gives blessing. So, what do you think blocks us from living a more full life if we have a God that's El Rohai? And if we have a God that is El Shaddai? And if we have a God that is Elohim? And if we have a God who is Yahweh? What is it that stops us from living into that Blessing and invitation more. Well, I call it Hagarian effort, based upon our story in uh, Genesis 16. Hagarian effort. What's Hagarian effort? Well, Hagarian effort is taking things into our own hands and choosing not to trust God and trying to find a way around it ourselves. Hagarian effort. And I have found that self-effort can only take us so far, especially when issues are beyond our control. We must lean into the God that allows himself to be known and seen and who sees us and who is mighty, who is mighty, mighty, and who is the mighty, mighty one that can satisfy and supply and the one who says, here is my very personal name. I am self-sufficient. I am above it all. I have my resources. There are no limits to my resources because I am Yahweh. I am that I am and that I will do what I will do. And this is a God that we worship. Is that amazing? That is a God that we worship. That is a God that desires to bless us. Now, I need to pause right now. A lot of bad things happen in life. And why? Do any of you ever ask why? I do. And um, here's an answer for you. I don't know. I don't know why a lot of bad things happen in life. But I do know some other things. I do know that God always remains to be God. God never changes. It tells us that. In the Old Testament, it tells us that in Hebrews, that God will never change. We sang a song today about the God of Jacob and some of the other uh, characters from the Old Testament and the miracles that happened and the joy and the wonder. And God does not change. He always remains to be God. He is El Shaddai, the the mighty one who gives blessing. That never changes. In fact, it's said over and over again in, in the Old Testament, the description of God with the word Shaddai happens some 48 times. So something's repeated often. It's something we need to believe in. And that's something we need to believe in. So the moral of the story is, 
sometimes it might not feel like we're living in God's blessing, but that's when we just need to lean in a little more instead of turning to Hagarian effort and trying to take things into our own hands. Lean into God a little more. Trust in him. Declare to him in prayer as you are trusting in him. God, I know who you are. I know that you are Elohim. I know that you are the God that I can trust in. So the Old Testament was written to give us reasons to believe in God. And as it was giving us reasons to believe in God, it was pointing towards something that happened in the New Testament when God himself came, Jesus, and did for us what we couldn't do. You know, all the Hagarian effort in the world cannot save your soul. That's something only Jesus could do. And we're going to take communion here in a bit. And uh, we're going to celebrate that. But in closing, I just uh, want us to review who God is and why we can believe in him. Using the names of God from, from Hebrew. If you could put that slide up, please. God is Elohim. The one worthy of worship. Amen. God is Yahweh, the self-existent and satisfied one who makes himself known and found. Yahweh. Amen. God is Adonai. He is sovereign and he is master. And by the way, I am not and you are not. He is. He is Adonai. God is Elrohi, the mighty one who sees me and allows himself to be seen, no matter the circumstances you are facing. It's true of Hagar. Amen? And God is El Shaddai, the almighty one who gives blessing. It's fun to go to the New Testament when Jesus shows up <clears throat> a long time after he, Abram. It was really the confirmation, the, the period at the end, the exclamation point of God's promise to Abram, the one who came and made all things right the one who is making all things right, the one who is going to come again and make things right, the one who I can live for all eternity with in the, in the blessed experience of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that perfect place that he invites us to enter into as he redeems the world and he, as he redeems us with new bodies that won't be marked by brokenness. And Jesus did this. He came to earth and he did it by living, becoming Emmanuel, God becoming person. He did it by living a life not of privilege, but of service and sacrifice. But he did it perfectly. 
but he was still tempted in every way we are, yet without sin. And he did it. Formed a team to go around and preach and talk about the kingdom. The kingdom, he says, I'm bringing the kingdom. I'm bringing the kingdom. Here's the kingdom. Live in the glory of the kingdom. Are you living in the glory of the kingdom through Jesus? I want to. I am. He's made it possible. Am I doing it perfectly? I will one day. But I'm forgiven because Jesus died. And he was put in a tomb, and on the third day he rose again. And then he, he showed up amongst uh, a number of people, and for 40 days he talked about the kingdom. And then he ascended into heaven where it says that Jesus is interceding on our behalf at the right hand of the Father. And he sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost to as we become Christians, as we let Jesus rule our lives, the Holy Spirit actually comes in and makes us his temple. I accepted Christ as my Savior. He has forgiven me and I am the, temp am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am, Ted, I am. That's grace. That's grace. That's nothing that I've done to deserve it. And Jesus, when he met with his disciples, just before he went to the cross, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this bread symbolizes my body, which I'm allowing to be broken for you. He said, on a regular basis, I want you to celebrate and remember me. Then he took the cup and he said, this cup, this is a new deal. It's a new covenant, he said. You remember the Abrahamic covenant? He said, here's a new covenant. And this covenant, it's a covenant better than any covenant I've ever made because it's a covenant that will never end. And the reason it will never end is because there don't need, to, more sacrifices don't need to be offered. I'm the final sacrifice for your sin. Remember this on a regular basis. Take the cup and drink it. And worship and remember me. So if the worship team could come up. And that's what we're going to be doing here in just a moment. If those who are going to pass the elements would go ahead and get ready for that. Now we invite you to come and celebrate Jesus through the taking of communion. So as we're singing, the elements are going to be passed and hold on to them. And then I'm gonna come up and lead us as we take the elements. <laughs>